Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl, joined with Anna Bryant and Seth Abram and Scott Real, And we are so glad that you're joining us from wherever you're joining us, running on a treadmill, driving in your car, listening as you fall asleep tonight. So hopefully we will offer something that will allow you to do what it is that you need to do next. <laughs> All right. But we are on this journey right now of transformation. It's a book that's yet to be released by Scott, but we've been working through it uh, with groups. And it's part two of Journey to Freedom. And so it's a 36-day contemplative journey to help you understand your personal story and your inner life more fully and compassionately. So we are taking one of those days for each of these podcast episodes and giving you some highlights. And just real quickly, any news on the book, on when that might be coming out? Is that the fall? Uh, today, I have a big meeting about that. So we're, Okay, good. We're so maybe soon yeah. we'll have a target date. But we do have something coming up next month that we're very <laughs> excited about. The 21st celebration of hope. I would love to tell you and invite you um, on September 14th, 2023 at the Loveless Event Barn, we're going to have our annual celebration of hope. And we would love so much for you to join us. It's just going to be a fun evening of good food and wonderful, inspiring stories about lives that have been changed through the Restore Ministry across the globe. So you're going to, we're going to have our international partners there. We're going to have people locally that have been involved in groups. And I think that um, you can't get more inspired than coming and walking away from that. Just seeing and hearing about how lives have been transformed. It's such an uplifting evening. We would love to share it with you. So please, um, you can register online on our our homepage, uh, restoresmallgroups.org. Just click on the link for Celebration of Hope and you can reserve a seat or make a donation. What are, you, what are you guys most looking forward to? Because I love the smell of biscuits walking into the <laughs> celebration of home. Um, but what, what are you two? Look, I, I'm also looking forward. I, I, I heard through a little birdie that uh, Seth Abram might be doing a little music. Yeah. Is that true? He's looking around. He, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear, hear Seth. I just got introduced to some of his music. He's a, quite a talented uh, yeah. young man. You're still young yet, aren't you, Seth? You still consider yourself young. Compared to Scott and I, you're young. (laughs) Me too. At heart. At heart. And I guess in numbers as well here. Represented here. Yeah. Yeah. Seth, what are you looking for? This this is going to be your first celebration of hope on staff. You were there last year. Yeah. First on staff. Yes. Yep. Last year I was there. But I'm I I think I'm most excited about the just the idea of getting all of the people that I've been getting to know the last year Mm -hmm. together in the same room to celebrate together. Just that. That idea is, you know, really that syner- the synergistic to me. You know, it's really. I think it's going to feel, you know, more family oriented and just really exciting to to hear together what has been happening and the the impo- the powerful stories of how people's lives have been, you know, changing. So I'm excited about that. Anna, what are you most looking forward to? Oh, yeah, I would agree with just all these people that we have been able to pour into and walk alongside and just be a part of their story and having them all together in the same place celebrating just the goodness of all the growth and the transformation and just the uh, relationships that have been built and 
Oh man, I'm excited about it. The food will be good too. And the entertainment, top notch. Top notch. And Scott, you're the one guy here that's been to all of them. (laughs) So so, uh, you're the veteran here. Uh, This is your 21st and they're never boring to you. What are you most looking forward to? It's the whole environment of the evening. It's stopping and just celebrating the hope that Christ has brought into all of our lives and to see, and a lot of times this brings out people that we haven't seen in a long time have been a part of the journey. And we have our friends from all over the world coming. So it's just, uh, you just really see, wow, this is real, what God is doing. And uh, it's uh, it's very special. I, I do know this, it's, it's an evening and it can transform lives, just hearing the stories and hmm. seeing it, it's just, it pulls you in. It's interesting. I've never been able to eat for the whole evening. I'm always so nervous. But <laughs> I must be getting older because last year I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to eat something. Oh, well, wonderful. Everybody <laughs> sat down beside me with plates full of chicken and biscuits. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay. Well, if you are in the Nashville area or would like to mm-hmm. to, to come and join us, we, we would love to have you there. And like we said, um, you can even go home with some biscuits and jelly too and with your heart full, filled. But uh, we want to talk today about the great and precious promises of God. This is day 12, the journey of transformation. What a title. The great and precious promises of God. Like that really tees it up. But uh, let me start by helping us think about it in this way because it's actually talking about habits and how we change habits. You can't change habits by changing rewards is what... Uh, this chapter says, you must change the cues that activate behavior. And I love the story in here. It's talking about a researcher, Wendy Wood, who conducted a study of stale and fresh popcorn. And they took regular moviegoers and first-time moviegoers, and they gave them both the fresh and the stale popcorn. And they wanted to know if they reacted differently to, to eating that popcorn. And what they discovered, and this is fascinating, that those who attended movies regularly, they ate more of the stale popcorn because there had been this habit. The environment had just, you know, wired them in such a way they just ate it. And But those who had not been movies goers, they didn't eat as much of the stale popcorn. Apparently, they were paying more attention to what it tastes like. So, uh, and she goes on to say, she talks about key principles um, of forming habit. There's repetition, there's rewards, and there's context. So what we learned is that this movie theater was a context. It was an environment that was uh, producing some kind of habit in people. So, Scott, and then you said this, and then, uh, Anna, I want you to, to talk a little bit about habit formation. I want, I, want to start, I want you to start off with us today. But, Scott, in the book, he says this, Habits begin in the fertile soil of our environments. As a soil is for a tree, context is for habit formation. The environment triggers the craving. So behavioral scientists have long known that changing the performance environment changes our habits. Yeah. Anna, talk to us a little about that. Habit formation, it, it's, uh, it's, it's challenging, right, to, to change an existing habit or to create a new positive healthy habit. It is challenging because it does uh, involve just not just our behavior, but like our context and our rewards. So thinking a little bit about like how we can begin to change that or like what does the process look like for it to change. Um, So say, for example, like 
exercise. So I pretty much my whole life have just like hated exercise. Like it just, it's not enjoyable to me. Me too. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just not fun. So slash all of us. <laughs> so I, I've, I've been uh, in the horrible habit of just not really taking or being very attentive to my physical, uh, my physical body for many, many years, most of my adult life. And so the context would be say, you know, for a lot of people, like morning time when you wake up is a great time to exercise, right? It's when you have a little bit of wiggle room in your day, depending on when you get up and when you have to be out the door or whatnot. So for me, like the the habit was like, man, I it's early. I'm tired. I'm going to hit snooze. And my reward is like, I'm going to get a few minutes extra sleep, right? So that just kind of was reinforced and that was my lifestyle. And then I, I came to a point in my life where like I needed some kind of physical outlet for things that were going on just like emotionally. And so I started to change some of my routine, right? So I began to make going to the gym a little bit of a priority. So when that alarm would go off, I'm not I'm not getting that same reward of a little extra sleep, right? But I am going and doing what I know is is good and right and healthy for my body. And then gradually over time, like the results or the rewards do change, right? Because although I'm not getting that extra sleep, guess what reward I get? I have more energy. I feel physically better. I, I, I look better. Like I just, all these things, like the rewards change. It's not the same, but it doesn't happen instantaneously. And so now it's not even about like when I get up and I take care of myself and I go do something that's healthy for me. It's not even those things that are the reward. It's just, it's, it's, habitual now because I've been able to repeat that over and over and over again. Like I get up, I do this thing, and then it's no longer about the reward. It has become a habit. So I don't know if that explains a little bit, but we when we change our context, then the rewards will change, but it, it takes time. You said that we all hate exercise. We and- <laughs> hate exercise. Exercise yes, is no we, fun until... That, that's, all, that's all I heard in all of that. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, me too. <laughs> uh, Seth, how about uh, habit formation for you in the environment, like what, how's that play in your world? Yeah, yeah. I think healthy habits, um, especially if I can't learn, uh, I'm less likely to learn new healthy habits if I'm in the same environment in which I've I've learned the old ones. In so, um, for me, my most healthy habits, which probably would primarily include my morning routine, I have to have. I, I've learned to cultivate the most curated environment in which I'm most successful. So um, this, and then I will say this took me almost around four months of doing this before uh, it became a uh, well-honed new habit. Before it felt like this is something I have to do to just, this is a part of my day now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, context is is for me is very curated and that's what allows for the, motivation and the ambition to actually happen to get this stuff done. So so I can't work out at, uh, like we're talking about here uh, because that's where I'm, I do all these other things. That's where I'm a dad. That's where I sleep. That's where I, uh, so I can't, I can't work out at home. That's where I do all the other stuff I do. So, but the thing is, is my gym is only five minutes away. It can't be any more than that <laughs> or I'm not going to drive that far. Yeah. Um, um, uh, but also, you know, then I come home and I read, but I, I drink coffee first before I do the... I drink coffee while I'm reading, which, by the way, I have prepped the night before so that I don't have wow. to do the whole process. 
the morning of. And I'm, I'm, I'm less likely to wake people up if I've already, you know, I'm not going to be grinding coffee in the morning. So then while I'm reading, I'm drinking coffee so that I'm waking up my system because then uh, the third part of my routine is, is meditation. And the only way I won't fall asleep is having drank coffee, you know, for the previous 30 minutes. And so, again, the whole context is how I've been able to really maintain uh, my, I would say, a pretty difficult morning routine, especially waking up when I do. And it's and it's become most days of the week now for me. So, yeah, but that, so, that context is super important for me. Yeah, so you both are thinking about Anna and Seth, the environment and how that helps sustain a more healthy habit. And Scott, you thought we forgot you. Normally we come to Scott first and he's sitting there like, hey, did I write this book? <laughs> like, is anyone, is anyone going to come to me? And of course we are, Scott. We just wanted to, to give you a little break. Um, but what, what was it you were trying uh, to say in, in this day? Like what does the fertile soil of our environment mean to a more healthy habit. To change any habitual pattern in our lives, we have to sustain motivation. It always comes down to motivation. Hmm. And so if I'm being motivated to change by a reward, that's that's a temporary. It's it's almost external. And uh, and it is inevitable there's gonna come a moment where I don't care anymore about the reward. I just want to do this, what I'm trying not to do. Mm. But if the motivation is sustained in a context of, again, where you, what we talked about last, becoming, it's, uh, I was trying to think of an example. So if the reward for me is that um, I, get to, I get to control something, then that's temporary. But if it's no longer about controlling about be, but becoming, then it's the, the stimulus and the motivation is, is so much deeper than just a superficial reward. And, and I'm not saying all rewards are superficial, but it, rewards just cannot sustain change. It, it will not. And because I promise you, you will have a moment where you do not care about the reward uh, and, and you will partake again in what you're not wanting to do. And then that's what I was trying to talk about here. There has to be a, a greater context. And that's why I think that we are pointing people in, uh, the true transformation. There's a spiritual context to it. I'm becoming someone different. And actually, and, and this is going to be confusing maybe to listen, but that's very, re that's even far more rewarding to me that, you know, I'm, this is the man I'm becoming. That's mm. far more motivating to me than some other form of controlling reward. Does that make sense? I hope. I, yeah, I think absolutely. that makes a lot of sense. Just even in, I'm just thinking through my own personal journey of, of you know, exercise and wellness. Like the motivation, I think a lot of times to implement a fitness re fitness regimen might be like, again, the reward of, of, of looking better, becoming more acceptable yeah. and, but for mm -hmm. me, like I, I literally implemented this because I needed something mentally and emotionally. So I started practicing yoga, and to me, the reward wasn't about what it, what was coming on the other side of that, like externally, but it was like what it was doing for me internally, like regulating my my mind and body mm -hmm. and integrating all parts of me. That then it became contextually and something that was rewarding 
and habitual, not, it wasn't the, it wasn't the external reward motivation, but it was actually internal of what I was gaining by becoming more integrated through the practice. Yeah, she, she, I like what Anna's saying. It really made me think of, if I, if my motivation to make a change is to get you to like me, it, it will work at times, but it, it's not going to be as strong. But if my motivation is to be this, whether you like me or not, because I like me when I'm this way, and that's the context I think that God works from, especially, you know, this is, this is just the man I want to be. This is how I want to respond to life and be, whether you like me or not, or whether I get paid more, or however it is our society sets up some type of reward, or that I set up a reward. And, and I have found it to be so true in my own journey that when, when the changes were being motivated by just me controlling my environment and getting a reward of, of, of controlling somebody else's response to me, it never was sustainable. Mm-hmm. But when it became God and I, this is who I am becoming. And this is the greatest reward of my life is, is the integrity and the character. And I love this man this way. I hope that's, I hope that's helpful. Yeah. The, the 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 day the title of this day is the great and precious promises of God. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that the the precious and promise of God is that we're actually going to uh, get a glimpse and fall in love with who we're becoming? Yeah, oh. and that is the most intrinsic way to to move toward a, a better life. So, is that what we're talking about here? The precious promise of God is that there is this great becoming of ourselves that oh, yeah. Yeah. we have yet to fully realize. And is that it? That is it. You've, you've nailed it, George. And that's, and it doesn't matter, again, what we've talked about in some of the other chapters. It doesn't matter how old you are, where you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you've struggled with. You can make a new beginning today in that journey. And I, I think that's a huge paradigm shift for a very rewards-based society. Mm. Mm-hmm. Scott, um, a little bit about kenosis here, which is a pouring out, and theosis, which is a divine pouring in. How do the, how do those work in 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 partnership? Because um, you in the book, grace, grace, <laughs> grace. Well, what does that look like? What does a pouring out look like? Grace invites me to finally let go of some things, mm. you know, and and it's not coming from a place of condemnation and and guilt. It's coming from an invitation. It's okay. It's okay. Let it go. And it helps me see. And the question I think grace brings me from a true place of love is, how is this really serving you, Scott? Hmm. How is this? Is it really really serving you well? Or do you think it's time to let this go? You know? And I have something far greater than this for you. That's how they work. So it's a letting go of something, then. And then in return, something is poured in, yes. which you call theosis, which is that vision and that excitement that I begin to see about what I can be. And maybe even perhaps what I already am that I didn't realize, right? And to know that it's all driven by love. That's what grace is. It's, it's, it's love that's calling me to that. Okay. Anna, um, what's a, a pouring out for you? And how do you receive a, a pouring in? Mm. I think a pouring out is recognizing the messages that I have received over the course of my lifetime about who I am or who I am expected to be and really 
measuring that up to, is that true? Is that actually true? Or how how did that become a message in, in my heart, in my mind? And if it's not accurate or if it's not good for me, if it's not serving me well, how do I let go of that and make space for who I really am? Mm, well said, Jana. Seth, how about you? What's pouring out a kenosis and a theosis of divine being poured in? What's that look like for you? Yeah, I've used this example before, but it is the most practical. And I think this is where, if God isn't showing up in the most practical, mundane parts of your life, I don't find a lot of value in what we're up to. Because <laughs> this is where we're, we're really being transformed in the most common areas of our life slowly over time. But for me, you know, I think part of this letting go idea that, that Scott mentioned is, is about allowing these patterns and habits to arise and not attach to them. Hmm. That's that is where um, we are letting go. That's the pouring out that we're letting we're letting go in these. We're choosing to not attach to them, and that's when the the divine can pour in when we've made space for that. So for me, as I've said before, even again recently, I'm I'm in my morning routine, right? Uh, and uh, my wife sends me a text, "Can you come get the baby?" And I'm and I I know like this is my regular habit or my my p- pattern that comes up of like. That's a hindrance. I'm busy, you know, and so I noticed this, and I even I went into my my body, and I just noticed there was some kind of sensation even in my chest. And then I just got very curious with it, and I asked, "What? What? Even what? What's the color? What's the shape of this sensation?" And then mm. and and actually, what came up was it's red, and I I was like, "Red? Well, maybe." Oh, and I realized I'm angry about the fact that I was just asked to get out of the thing I'm trying to do that's very valuable to me. And I allowed that to, as emotions do, they're, they're more like waves. It rose and then it diminished. Mm. And um, I was able to find the benefit, as Chip Dodd says, this is important to me. Uh, but what else is also important to me is attending to my child and my wife's needs at the moment. So that also became a way of the divine pouring in as I um, stayed and attended to my normal conditioned response as the stimulus happened, you know. Wow, those are beautiful, you guys. Thanks for sharing those. I want to end with a, a final thought. And Seth, you actually, when we um, were talking about this earlier, we were talking about the great and the precious promise of God. Um, you talked about as God awaiting our participation. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a, a real beautiful way to think about it. What did you mean by that? Yeah, I think in the same way that there's no one right exact path that we talked about last time for as mm-hmm. for God's will, it's more of this inclusive human flourishing that God is calling us to. That is, those are like we were already naming in this episode as well. Like the promises of God are are that there is an endless potential for us to live into Mm -hmm. God's promise. There is an endless potential for us to incarnate and embody what it means to become more whole and become um, who we are supposed to be. That to me is the freedom and the hope that we can wake up to every day. That, that, That God's arms are always waiting for us open wide to embrace us. We just have to be ready and and open and see it and hear it and and notice it. Yeah. God's promises that will become what the deepest longing of our heart wants to be. Mm-hmm. That's his promise to us. We just we have to we have to join him and participate with God. Scott, um what's that mean that God's awaiting our participation? I found my favorite quote on kenosis. Mm, all right. And 
says that grace fills the empty spaces, but it can only enter where there is a void to receive it, and it is grace itself which makes the void. Grace is what invites me to let go of the old, the tired, the worn out, the dysfunctional. And it's and then it's the divine, then it pours in, and, uh, and I have a, the ability. Um, in his book, Covey says that we can, the ability to respond is where we get the word responsibility. And so grace gives me the ability, like Seth was talking about, to respond differently instead of the old, the dysfunctional, the tired. I think m- many people probably listening to this know that feeling of being tired of always responding a certain way. And uh, and it's uh, it just doesn't work, and we know it doesn't work, but it's it's all we know, and then when it becomes habitual, difficult to let go, and that's what we're talking about here. There is a path to freedom, a journey, and it's grace that's inviting us uh, as we let go. Something beautiful and new can be re- reborn and birthed, and that's that's the hope. That's the hope that which we're clinging to, Anna. God's awaiting our participation. What's that mean for you? I think that just means we got to pay attention. Like, let's look Mm -hmm. for where He's working, right? In our lives, Mm -hmm. in our world, in those still, small, quiet places. Make space, time and space, in your heart, in your head, in your life, and pay attention. And you're going to marvel at what you see. Well, friends, God is awaiting your participation, and this is our soul work. This is our journey, just to open our hearts to what that invitation might be. And our prayer is you're just not doing it alone, because it's just not as fun if you're doing it alone. And there are times that we have to journey alone, but our hope is that you would find others along the way that can journey with you. In the book, Scott, you uh, quoted Dr. Childry, I think that's how you say his name, but... He says, our true identity is to love without fear and insecurity. Mm. Our higher purpose finds us when we set our course in that direction. The power of love and compassion transforms insecurity. That's our prayer for all of you listeners. And although every one of us is on a different path, we are all traveling the same human journey. So visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org to learn more about online and in-person groups that you can join. We would love to journey with you um, somewhere along the way. But over every mountain, there is a path, and the future rewards those who discover it and press on. So stay on the path and take care, friends. 